Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We're talking about the six fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. Today's message is number two on the doctrine of baptisms. Now, in Hebrews chapter 6, this is where you find these six fundamental principles, verses 1 and 2. Look at what it says. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection or spiritual maturity. Number one, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That's number one. Number two, of faith toward God. Number two, of the doctrine of baptisms. Number three, notice the word baptisms is plural, not singular. And then notice of the laying on of hands. And then of the resurrection of the dead, number five, and of eternal judgment. Last week, we had a water baptism service here, and it was wonderful to see people being baptized in water. Uh, but I want to give number two on this teaching. I believe it's absolutely imperative that we understand that there's more than one baptism. And so we need to have this foundation so that we can grow mature in the things of God. So we're talking about baptisms and baptizers. And the reason why we know that there are more than one baptism is because there are three baptizers. So number one, the first baptism is being baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. It doesn't matter who you are. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. Whether you're bond or free. Uh, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. So notice the baptizer is the Holy Spirit. And he baptizes us into the body of Christ. So that's the first baptizer and baptism. Then secondly... We have water baptism. Last week we had this water baptism service here at the church. We are baptized by a believer in water. And we see this in, in the book of Matthew. Let's pull up that verse. Look at what it says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go ye therefore, he's speaking to his disciples, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. So we have water baptism. But then there's a third baptism. See, this is the minister or this is the believer who's baptizing in water. But we've got the third one. And this is found in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. Here we have Jesus being the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. Look at what it says. I indeed, this is John the Baptist speaking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I. Whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you. Who's he? Jesus shall baptize you with what? With the Holy Ghost and with fire. So that's pretty elementary, wouldn't you say? There's three baptizers. There's three baptisms and they're all different. One's in the body of Christ. One's in water. And the other one is with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, Sometimes people will bring this up. This is just a quick review. 
people will say there's only one baptism because of these verses. Let's look at those verses in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. He is referring to being baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ is the primary and the main baptism. You can be baptized in water, but if you haven't been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, it means nothing, and you're not born again. It doesn't open up the pearly gates. You must be baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. In other words, you must be born again. Notice the word must. When Jesus said in John 3, 3 through 7, you must be born again to enter into his kingdom. He's talking about an un, something that's required. Absolutely unavoidable requirement. You cannot, will not enter the kingdom of God without being born again or baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. When it comes to water baptism or even the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you'll see it's a little bit different. A person doesn't necessarily have to be baptized in water, but they should. He doesn't have to be baptized by Jesus with the Holy Spirit, but he should. So let's look at John's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 37 through 39, and that's exactly what John, the Apostle John wrote in his Gospel. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, are you thirsty? Spiritually thirsty. Okay, if any man thirst, then let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they that believe on him must... I just want to make sure you're awake this morning. What does it say? Should, not must... See, must is an unavoidable requirement. Should is something that's highly recommended, strongly recommended, should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So at that time, they couldn't receive the Holy Spirit until Jesus was glorified. After he was glorified, then they could receive the Holy Spirit. But notice the word should. That is highly recommended. It is not something that is required unavoidably, but still we should receive the Holy Spirit. So here's the question. Why wouldn't anyone want to be baptized all three ways? By the Spirit to the body of Christ. In water by the believer. And by Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't a person want that after all of what Jesus has done for us? Now, as we continue our study, look in the book of Acts chapter 1 and beginning at verse 4, because this is a fundamental principle of the doctrine of Christ. Look at it. And being assembled together with them, commanded them. This is after his resurrection. He's been with them for 40 days on the earth. He's about to ascend back to glory. And he's gathered together with his believers, his uh, apostles. That, and he, what did he do? He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for, what? The promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. So he told them about this promise. Well, what, what did he promise? 
He goes on to say in verse 5, For John truly baptized with water. Now that was the baptism unto repentance under John the Baptist, the old covenant. That's not Christian water baptism. That was that baptism. But you shall shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now notice, not many days hence. Verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. And then verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So let's start with verse 4 again. And let's see what's being said here. Jesus is telling his disciples when they were gathered together, he commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem without the promise of the Father. Well, what promise is he talking about? For three and a half years, they heard this promise all about it. Jesus spoke it to them. He said that. But then also way back in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, what did he say? John the Baptist said, I'm baptizing with water, but the one after me, he's mightier than I am. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So Jesus tells them the promise is about to be fulfilled not many days hence. Now we can, we have the opportunity to put a timeline here within the next 10 days. It was 10 days from when he said that, that it would be fulfilled. Okay, so that's verse 4. Look at verse 5. Or I go to verse 6, rather. It's 6 and 7 again. Look at this. You would think that they would be with bated breath. For three and a half years, you're going to get the Holy Ghost and fire. You're going to get the Holy Ghost and fire. This baptism with the Holy Ghost and fire. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. No. Which the Father put in his own power. Now, wait a minute. Let's think this through. He just told them that after three and a half years, you are going to be baptized with Holy Ghost fire. In other words, you're going to get Holy Ghost fire power. And what do they say? Um... Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're looking for national prominence and political power, are they not? Now, let's just take a moment just to think this through. They walked with him for three and a half years, right? They watched him turn water into wine. They watched him heal the sick. They watched him multiply food. They watched him tell a disciple to go get tax money out of the mouth of a fish. They watched him when they fished all night long, couldn't get one catch, fill up the nets like that, and Peter's boat began to sink. They watched him walk on water and calm a storming sea. They watched him not just heal the sick, but raise the dead, and the maimed were made whole right before their eyes. They watched him multiply a little boy's lunch to feed 5,000 people at one sitting. How would you like to do that for lunch? They watched it. 
they saw it all. And the list goes on and on. They watched him when they wanted to kill him pass through the midst of them and they couldn't touch him. They watched as he spoke to a fig tree and it died by the root. They watched as he spoke to the wind, the waves, and the sea, and they all obeyed him. So much so, they said, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Would you say that they were absolutely overwhelmed by the power he expressed and demonstrated? Yeah. Okay. You ready for this one? Now, they see him raised from the dead. Now... He walks through walls. Now it's time to restore the nation. Now it's time, you know, isn't it time now? If, if they couldn't kill him, if they couldn't keep him in the grave, and now he had that power then, and look at him now, death cannot even touch him. And he walks through walls. He's certainly going to restore the kingdom. There's going to be national prominence once again. We're going to have political power like we've never seen before. And what does Jesus say in verse 8? You shall receive power, but it's not political. It's not going to be national. You are not just going to affect Jerusalem and Israel, but you are going to be baptized with Holy Ghost fire from on high, and you will be empowered with Holy Ghost fire and equipped to reach Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You talk about power? You talk about Holy Ghost fire power? That's exactly what he tells them. So you could see... With their thinking, it's all about this. It's all about right here. Uh -uh, he says, expand your horizon. Enlarge your tents. This is not just about political power. This is about power that will absolutely turn the world right side up. This is global power. This will have a global effect. So you see their little mindset was right here and he's going... Uh-uh. It's way beyond that. But it's going to take what? Holy Ghost fire and power. Holy Ghost fire power. So, you would think that they would have been like, wow, what is this all about? I know about being baptized in water. I know that I've been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. But now, what are we really talking about here? How will this display? How is this going to manifest? Well, since you asked, look at Acts chapter 2. Because you see, this has never happened before on planet Earth. This has never happened before on the Earth, among any people group in the world. Can we see that? So is this not something absolutely powerful, impacting, amazing? You would think they would have been with bated breath once again. Whoa, Holy Ghost, firepower. We're going to get it. What's this all about? Dunamis, miracle working power. We're going to get power from on high when the Holy Ghost comes on us. Forget national power, political power. Okay, here it is. So here they are. 
120 in an upper room. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is with them. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Well, what happened? There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled, all 120 of them, filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This has never happened before. This is the promise being fulfilled. The fulfillment of the promise way back in Matthew 3.11 is on this day called the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descends from on high in cloven tongues like as a fire and sits upon each individual person and each and every one of them is baptized by Jesus with the Holy Ghost and fire. Isn't that understandable? Isn't that clearly seen? So now, the third baptism emerges. This is the Holy Spirit baptism, being baptized with the Spirit by Jesus and fire. Okay, this is among the Jews in the upper room. So now we have one camp, the Jewish camp. And there's only two camps on earth at that time, the Jewish and the Gentile. So some years later, like 10 years later, what happens? Look at Acts chapter 10. And look at verse 44 through 48. You should know the story if you know your book of Acts. In the first nine chapters of the book of Acts, the emphasis is on evangelizing the Jewish people. We see 3,000 people getting saved when Peter preached his first message on the day of Pentecost. We see them continuing to break bread with one another, worshiping God together, and many others coming into the body of Christ getting saved. We see persecution coming upon the church for doing what they're doing. And we see them travel down to Samaria where Peter and them, where others preached, Philip, Philip rather, preached Christ to them. We see them getting baptized in water after they were baptized by the Spirit to the body of Christ. And then Paul, I mean, uh, Peter and John's coming down, laying hands on them, and then getting baptized with the Holy Ghost. So this is the first nine chapters. And then Saul of Tarsus you realize, is also someone who was against Christ, but now is born again because he saw Christ on the Damascus Road. You know that story of his 180 turnaround. Now, chapter 10. This is the camp of the Gentiles. Because the Jews didn't think the Gentiles could even be saved. And Peter would never walk into the house of a Gentile and preach Christ. Never would he do that. Verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, he is there at Cornelius' house. He's the centurion of the Italian band. And he was a devout man who prayed, who sought God, who was told to go send for Peter and he'll come tell you how to get saved. So there they are. Peter is preaching the gospel in Cornelius' house. While he's speaking these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which means they're Jewish people, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Why were they astonished? Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Who baptizes with the Holy Ghost? 
Jesus. How do they know they were baptized with the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water? That these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tear tarry certain days. Do you see all three baptisms there? They had to be baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit first. Then we see them being baptized by Jesus with the Holy Ghost. And why did he have to do it that way? Because they didn't believe a Gentile could be born again or Spirit baptized. Right? So God did it on his own. Isn't that amazing how God can do something on his own? We call that the sovereign work of God, right? Okay. And so what do they say then? Well, if he got baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit, if they were baptized with the Holy Ghost by Jesus, who are we to keep them out of the waters of baptism? Let's go get them baptized in water. So God straightened out their theology. Can you see that? Straighten out their theology. And now they're all, all of them, baptized with the body, in the body of Christ, by the Spirit, and in water. And if that's not sufficient, let's go to Acts chapter 19. This takes place 23 years after Pentecost. This is 23 years later. Okay? And look what it says in verses 1 through 7. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe. Stop right there. This is Paul asking these supposed believers, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? What is he saying? If, you've, if you believe, then you've been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized by Jesus with the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's what he's saying. Okay, and look at this. They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. What's the first thing he says? Well, then uh, he said to them, unto what then were you baptized? And what did they say? Unto John's baptism. Now he locates them. Oh, I understand you were baptized by John the Baptist. But see, that's not Christian baptism. But you've been baptized by him. Now that explains everything. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So now when they're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus in water, Remember, he leads them to Christ. They're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. He baptizes them in water, whether it's Paul or Apollos or whoever did it. Well, then Paul, afterwards, what does he do? Lays his hands upon them. Then the Holy Ghost came on them. And what did they do? They spake with other tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. Do you see the pattern here? Do you see all three baptisms here? If you've been baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, then we should be baptized in water by a believer. And thirdly, we should all be baptized by, this, by Jesus 
with the Holy Ghost and fire. So we can receive Holy Ghost fire. Well, the pattern is established. The must is the first baptism. The other two are should. You should be strongly recommended. But it's up to the believer to make their decision. Now, the pattern is this. When they're baptized by Jesus with the Holy Ghost and fire, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Did you see that? Am I adding anything to this? Is that all written right there in Scripture? Absolutely. Okay. Never even expounded on it. It's just what it says. Now, look at Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Let's explain this. In verse 34. O generation of vipers, this is Jesus speaking to the religious people of his day. How can you, being evil, speak good things? In other words, how can good things come out of a mouth that's filled with evil? Couldn't you say it that way? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What's the principle here? What's filling us in on the, up on the inside is going to come out of our mouths. You could say it this way. Our mouths are a dead giveaway. If you want to know what's in someone's heart, listen to their words. See, if anger fills the heart, what's going to come out of the mouth? Anger-filled words. Right? Absolutely. If bitterness is... Filling the heart. What's going to come out of the mouth? Right. Bitter words. If fear is filling the heart of a person, what's going to come out? Remember when Job said, the fear I greatly feared has come upon me. He was releasing fear-filled words. So because he was so filled with fear, he spoke fear and opened up the door to fear results. And then we could say it this way. If doubt fills the heart, what's going to come out of the mouth? Remember the ten spies were so full of doubt, they couldn't get a faith word out edgewise? edgewise. Remember that? But Joshua and Caleb, they were filled with what? So they were filled with or full of faith. And what came out of their mouths? Okay. I want you to see the distinct difference between the two. Whether it's doubt-filled or fear-filled. Or if it's faith-filled. Because, you see, you can't muster it up. It depends on what you put in. I've got to put the word in me to have faith. If I, li guaranteed, try it. If all you listen to is the television report about COVID and everything else, you'll be sold on fear. And that's the bottom line. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you right now. I've talked to enough to know that the report you're hearing is not true. My wife works at Swickley Hospital, and you would think there would be a runover when it comes to COVID. Uh-uh. Two. Go on your Beaver County, and you can look it up. From what I understand recently, 27 in the whole county. But yet we're being told we're being overrun by it. Why? To produce more fear. Do they tell you that recently someone that was in her 20s took the second shot and died? Do they tell you that? Went home from the second shot, laid down, and never woke up. Okay, you don't hear that, do you? 
So I'm not going to get into all that, but I'm saying if all you're listening to is the television report, you will be filled with fear. You come here and you will be filled with faith from the Word of God. You will. Amen. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. So what's abundant in the heart, Jesus said, will come out of the mouth. Now, that being said, look at John's Gospel, chapter 4, and this is verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him, how? In spirit and in truth. Well, God is a spirit, and man is a spirit. How do I know that? We'll just go to a funeral. Man is not a body. The body is left behind. When the spirit and soul leave the body, the body is left behind. So the man is not a body. God made the body from the dust of the earth, but it was lifeless. But he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living soul. Man is not a body. That's his earth suit. Just like an astronaut has an astronaut suit, space suit. Right? But when he takes it off, it's, he's still the person. So the real man is the man on the inside, not the outside. So man is a spirit. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, that being said, let's look at it this way. Naturally speaking, I grew up in America. You know, I know I have a, like a, an Italian background. My family comes from uh, Naples and Calabria. And they, when we traveled there, I couldn't speak a lick of it. I couldn't speak a lick of it, except munge. Munge. <laughs> eat. <laughs> what? What's, what's, what's to eat? Okay. And it wasn't easy communicating with the people there. And of course, even though I have a, an Italian background, they looked at me like, you foreigner. <laughs> so, since I was raised here in America, we speak what? I got filled with English from, mm, right? Absolutely. If you were born in Germany, what language are you going to speak? What about if you were born in France? What about Spain? You get my point. Because you got filled with that from day one. Filled us up with that. So what comes out of our mouths? is what we've been filled with. I'm not saying you can't learn a new language. You can. But that's the natural world. You see, when it comes to the spiritual world, we are spirit beings. There is a spiritual language that enables us to speak spirit to spirit with God. And that never emerged until the day of Pentecost. It was unknown to all mankind, but... On the day of Pentecost, that changed. What is the spirit, let's say, the language of heaven? Is it Hebrew? Is it Spanish? Is it Italian? You know, what is it? Do we know? We don't know. I don't think it's going to be any of our natural languages. But there is a language of the spirit. And in this baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire... Something happens in the inner part, innermost part of man. His spirit is filled with the spirit 
of God. And when his spirit is filled with the spirit of God, what will come out out of the abundance of the heart? The what? Mouth speaks. The spiritual language will come out of his mouth because his spirit has been filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptized with the spirit and with fire. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And we'll conclude here in just a few moments. Look at what it says. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. This is God. This is man to God. He's not speaking man to man. He's speaking man to God. For no man understandeth him, how be it in the what? Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So when a person is filled with the Holy Ghost and speaks with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, his spirit is speaking directly to God and he is speaking divine secrets. The word mysteries is divine secrets. Go on down and look at verses 14 and 15 from the Amplified Bible. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me, notice the action, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive, it bears no fruit and helps nobody. Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, notice, by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will sing intelligently with my understanding, mind and understanding also. So what's Paul trying to say? When you get baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire, an action takes place on the inside where you're filled with the Spirit and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, which is why they all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is a direct line of communication between an individual and God. A direct line. And you're speaking divine secrets. Things on the inside are going to rise up and what will they do? They will then come into our thought life. From the inside into our thought life and then communicate it effectively. So, he's trying to tell us that this is the operation of the spirit within the heart of a man that enables him to go way beyond his natural understanding and thinking and cooperate with God by praying out the things that he once prayed out. Alright, so I believe we can all agree to this. Our natural language has limitations. Our natural thinking has limitations. Would you agree to that? Even if someone said, pray for me, you might say, okay, what can I pray for? And they may give you some clue. But, is that what's really necessary to be prayed out? Do you think God might know a little bit more than they? Absolutely. So when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul was saying, if I just pray intelligently, I'll just say, well, help me, I hurt my arm, I hurt my leg, or this situation is going on or whatever. But you see, in the Spirit, you can pray beyond all that. You can pray out the perfect will of God. You can release something on the inside that will bring an understanding of the will of God into a situation. So we tap into something beyond ourselves, beyond our intelligence. And he says, you're not speaking to man. Who are you speaking to? God. Heart to heart. Spirit to spirit. 
It's almost like this. I, I don't mean this in any way derogatory, okay? Because I include myself in this. We are handicapped when it comes to our mentality. It doesn't matter how educated a person really is. We're still handicapped. We are mentally handicapped. Because we have finite limitations. But the Holy Ghost is unlimited. Completely unlimited. Can you see that? And so answer this question for yourself. If you're spirit filled and you speak in tongues. Do you do most of your praying in English or in the spirit? Because if you do it in English, what you're saying is, I'm smart enough to know enough. <laughs> but if you do it in the spirit, you say, man, what do I know? But God, you know, I'm going to yield to you. Let's talk this thing over in the spirit. Can you see that? That's basically, basically what it boils down to. So the question is, why wouldn't someone want to pray in the Spirit? Now, there are benefits, and I'll close with this. Benefits to praying in the Holy Ghost. Look at verses 16 through 18. The next two verses. Next three verses, 16, 17, 18. Paul said, if I pray in the Spirit, then I'm not limiting myself to what I understand. I'm praying beyond my understanding. I'm tapping into the Spirit, Spirit upon Spirit prayer, which goes beyond my understanding. Now, if I do that, though, in a setting like this, a public setting when people are not schooled in the Spirit, well then, else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks? Seeing he understands not what you're saying. So in other words, you don't do that in a public setting where people are not schooled in the Spirit spirit and spiritual things, you wouldn't do that. If you're praying over your food, you're going to pray in English. You're going to pray what you know. But he goes on to say, if you were in a smaller setting and everybody was spirit-filled and you prayed in the spirit as well, look at the next verse, verse 17. For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. And what's the purpose of prayer? To edify, to build up. Look at verse 18. I thank my God. This is Paul the Apostle now speaking. I speak with tongues more than you all. And you know what it says in the Greek? More than all of you put together. I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. But wait a minute. Did he not just say in public speaking, I would rather speak like how many words? I'd rather speak five words that say in the Hebrew language, then 10,000 words when people don't understand me. He wasn't minimizing tongues. He was saying, you educate each other and speak intelligently to each other, but then when the, when the let's say the setting is as such, that you're just alone with God. Wow. How much praying did he do alone with God in the Spirit? An enormous amount. Now, I want to conclude by saying this. If you're born again but not spirit-filled and you don't have the evidence of speaking with other tongues, you're not inferior to anybody at all. And if you are spirit-filled and you do speak with other tongues, you're not superior to another Christian. So no one here is inferior and no one here is superior. The point is this. There are three baptisms. 
You can be baptized by the body, by the spirit to the body of Christ and be a born again child of God and go to heaven. Then you should be baptized in water to express your what? Commitment to Christ. And let everybody know in the world that, hey, I'm dead to self. I'm alive to Christ. And finally, you should be baptized by Jesus with the Holy Ghost and fire so that you can live your life with Holy Ghost firepower. And you could go beyond your natural understanding and tap into the resources of the spiritual realm. Praise God. So the choice is ours. It's up to us. But if we really want the fullness of what God has for us, we should be what? Baptized all three. All three. Right? You believe that? Now, let me just close real quick. I gave you my testimony many times in Youngstown, Ohio. When I went off to a church, it was in Niles, Ohio, Pleasant Valley Evangelistic Church. I just came out of the Catholic Church. I got saved. I went to that church. It was a spirit-filled church, an Assembly of God church. I didn't really know a whole lot about it. And they gave an altar call after the service like this was over. And I went to the altar and he said, what do you want? I said, I want all of God. I want God. He goes, are you born again? I said, yes. Are you spirit-filled with the evidence? I said, no. Well, that's what you want. And I said, I do. Yeah, that's what you want. Aren't you glad for others that can help us along the way? That's what you want. And I said, okay, I'm game. And so they prayed for me. I had no idea what they were doing. They started praying over me. I mean, the committee came. They all came around me, laid hands on me. They're praying for me. I'm like, my mouth's wide open. I have no idea what's going on around here. I was a hard case. After They wanted to go home and eat, I'm sure, a sandwich or something. After 45 minutes with me on my knees, do you feel anything yet? I said, other than my tongue being on fire? No. Well, that's it. I, said, I have no idea what they're talking about. Yield to it. I did. I said, you should have told me that 45 minutes ago. We'd have been out of here eating a burger somewhere. I didn't know. <laughs> That's why we try to instruct people and let them know. You know. So I got filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues, just like I just talked about here, and it's been ongoing ever since. And it's been a tremendous blessing. Let's all stand together before the Lord.